Transportation is a journey connecting us in our everyday lives. This podcast series, TRB's Transportation Explorers, takes you on that journey with meaningful conversations with the experts behind the research. They often have an early eye on how we'll build the transportation of tomorrow. On today's podcast, we talk with Jane Lappin, a TRB volunteer helping to produce our Automated Road Transportation Symposium from July 12th through 15th. Great hope for low-speed automated shuttles and helping us to address the first mile, last mile challenge. And so I have, I have a lot of hope for the low-priced mobility opportunities that on-demand low-speed automated shuttles could bring. Hi, I'm Elaine Farrell. And I'm Paul Mackey with the Transportation Research Board of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine based in Washington, D.C. Jane is the chair of TRB's Standing Committee on Vehicle Highway Automation and is active on other TRB committees and panels. Jane's experience spans work with international regulatory bodies, the auto industry, the U.S. Department of Transportation, and she's particularly interested in researching the impacts of advanced vehicle technologies on human behavior. Jane, welcome. We are so happy to have you here today. You've been involved with TRB for many years and have helped lead the work on one of our biggest events. This July, we'll see the 10th, can you believe it, the 10th annual TRB Automated Road Transportation Symposium. Tell us a little bit about why this is such an exciting and unique event to you and and why people should register. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Elaine. It's a great topic and a good time to be getting people excited about it. I started this meeting in 2010 as the Google self-driving car project became increasingly noticeable in the press, particularly, you know, the New York Times, it was impossible not to notice that finally there was significant amounts of private money invested in an automated vehicle future. It just hadn't been the case before. And with this promise, people who had been working on automated vehicles, automated highways for decades, people like my colleague Steve Schladover became much more hopeful about the promise of highly automated vehicles finally coming to fruition. And so as then chair of the TRBITS committee and a researcher at the USDOT Volpe Center looking at advanced technologies, I called Steve and asked him what he thought about organizing a workshop, a conference, you know, where we would call everyone we knew around the world to come and update us on the work that they were doing towards automated vehicles. And, you know, between us, we knew half of everyone in the world who was doing this work. I then phoned uh, John Maddox at NHTSA, who is now with Lyft, but he was in a position to understand what this momentum really meant He came from the automotive world. He'd worked in safety issues. He was at NHTSA. He got it. And he said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's start with a small workshop where we can really learn what people are thinking, what they're seeing, where the challenges and opportunities are. Steve and I went to work with funding from NHTSA and also from Federal Highway R&D and convened our first meeting in July of 2012 with about 133 people. Half of them were TRB volunteers who were either interested or engaged 
already in, in, in thinking about the human factors issues, the legal issues, the engineering issues. And then from industry, we had Google participation, BMW, Mercedes. Um, we had participation from the German Bost Institute where they were doing the early work on defining levels of automation. Japanese participants, truly a global, a global, almost a celebration among the folks who had been pushing along in this arena. And the following year, 2013, we did it in partnership with Stanford and uh, had to cut off registration. We hadn't realized how strong the interest would be. We cut off at 3.30. So we had a strong European presence. The Japanese, of course, with their very strong auto industry as a foundation for their interests and investments. And it's been a remarkable experience for me personally and professionally as the interest and investment in this meeting has grown and evolved over time. There are over 200 TRB volunteers who organized this meeting. And this is what makes it a unique meeting. Elsewhere in the world, you have commercially sponsored meetings, you have government sponsored meetings, but this is an intentionally diverse, broad-based, expert-informed, studiously independent of commercial or political agenda, and it's unique in the world. We're built on the goodwill of the people who contribute their expertise to make it a really worthwhile meeting. That sounds great. Uh, I can't wait to, to be there this summer. Jane Lappin, so AVs have been all the rage in the transportation community for a number of years now. As we've heard you describe, you know, catching on with more numbers and, and people from all experts from all over the world. But Autonomous vehicles have been somewhat slow to catch on in the public's perception. I think it's it's safe to say. There was a recent study, uh, it was covered in a Wall Street Journal article that found that even knowing that AVs would greatly reduce crashes, something like only a third of Americans are, are even interested in them at this point. I guess my question uh, is, is the symposium this summer going to look at the issue of public perception and, and the paths forward in that area? Yes, I think we look at that every single year and we bring forward speakers and, and full panels where the speakers research, the surveys, the engagement with the public is scientifically, academically strong. And so what they bring to the audience isn't a simple opinion survey, gee, what do you think about automated vehicles? You know, how, how do you feel about sitting in a car without a wheel or, or brakes? We bring to the stage people who do deep, thoughtful research that helps us to better understand not just, you know, do you like it, would you ride in it, but what are the values that would attract you to taking advantage of this new mobility? And what are the issues that would prevent you or otherwise, you know, uh, it's a strong word, repel you. Um, what, what are the issues that are obstacles for you in accepting highly automated vehicles? And, and what we see, I think, is increasing exposure to adaptive and automated systems on current model vehicles so that our 
future customers are having some experience with lane keeping, adaptive speed control, and forming opinions based on the reliability of those systems, which is good and bad news. Those systems are as good as the lane markings on the road. And then we have Tesla influencing public opinion, again, good and bad, for the promise, but also the fear that automated vehicles are gonna drive us at 70 miles an hour into, in, into a wall. So, so these surveys, this research is a good basis for understanding their concerns, but then to match that, we need assistance from programs like PAVE, Partnership for Automated Vehicle Education, which is a, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a cross, multidisciplinary, multi-sectoral partnership, public sector, private sector, academia, to bring better information, reliable information into public view. So we need to be honest with ourselves about what the, what the real issues are. How do we assure safety? That's another conversation completely. And we need to be clear in speaking to the public about what they can look forward to and why it deserves their consideration. As you know, there have been plenty of AV testing guidelines released already, and there's already talk of using AVs for tourism and for delivery. There's a pilot program in Texas right now, for example, looking at delivering pizzas. There's talk in the Florida Senate of autonomous delivery as well. So what do you think are the most hopeful kinds of scenarios in which we could actually see automated vehicles on the roads, maybe within the end of the year? I think if the end of the year is your horizon, you're probably already seeing what you're going to see. Not a lot of months between now and December. But if we take a longer view, I think we've got uh, many hopeful, hopeful opportunities ahead of us. You mentioned the low-speed automated shuttles, particularly in tourist areas. I myself have great hope for low-speed automated shuttles and helping us to address the first mile, last mile challenge. And in, in, I live in a Boston suburb. We have good mainline buses and light rail transit here in greater Boston but we don't have great feeder services. And so I have, I have a lot of hope for the, the low-priced mobility opportunities that, that on-demand low-speed automated shuttles could bring. And with greater amounts of funding from the public and the private sector to bring these low-speed shuttles as pilots into general use to understand how they'd work, how they'd fit, how they fit legally, how they fit socially, how the business model would fit, whether they would indeed uh, leverage enough customer acceptance, customer use to justify the investment. We need pilots to learn all of us together about how to integrate this innovation. We also see tremendous innovation and activity in commercial package delivery with companies like Neuro, where another critical need in transportation in the logistics 
and delivery chain can be met with a right-sized vehicle operating electrically, so zero emissions, probably taking several human-driven internal combustion engines off the road with their delivery capability, that's promising in, in the near future. There are truck applications that are being brought forward, the highway operating domain that these trucks operate within have less variability, fewer unforeseeable risks than operating in cities with bicyclists and pedestrians. And there's a very strong business case for supplementing the human drivers, the human agents of whom there aren't enough, much more demand for humans in the trucking industry than we can feed. Automation will supplement the humans increase productivity, drive down costs. That's a very promising future. And finally, I think that we can look forward to increased opportunity to ride in what will be pilots or demonstrations for highly automated, you know, level four vehicles. We're seeing this in Arizona with Waymo's first pilot. They're engaging the public in a safe, defined, well-supervised uh, service to understand better customer relations, customer demands, business models, operating challenges. Again, very promising. I just want to comment on, on what you said. I've always sort of envisioned for my neighborhood in particular, it's about a mile and a half from a metro station in the Washington, D.C. area. And, you know, you see during rush hour, people hoofing it up and down the big hills in our neighborhood uh, to get to the metro. And I just always envisioned, you know, if you had an autonomous shuttle coming around every 15 minutes or so during rush hour, you really could get uh, a significant portion of those people to the metro faster. And, you know, it almost strikes me as having neighborhood-centric surveys of finding out how people would actually use AVs uh, in, the, in real life would be some really interesting stuff to know more about. Well, Paul, that's exactly what I'm hopeful of. I live in Belmont, which is right next to Cambridge, and we have fixed rail that runs through town and we have a bunch of different bus lines and then we have light rail at the end of a big hill. But in my neighborhood, people get into their cars because, you know, A, it's the hill, B, if they took transit, there would be multiple stops, you know, with bus to rail and so forth. And I have the same vision of some charming design, low speed vehicle, where we would visit with one another, you know, as neighbors, we would see one another and it would become a, a social experience, which would add a lot of appeal to the trip that we don't get in, in our cars. I would say that the problem with surveys in the absence of experience People don't know. Their, their, their answers are really speculative. And thus, you can't really plan an investment with that response. You, you've got to look at what the underlying behaviors are and make an informed bet and, and make a pilot. And you reminded me also that Japan is embarking. I don't know if they've already started, but they're building this essentially laboratory from the ground up where they can deploy all of these automated vehicles, you know, away from people. So it's completely safe. And it'll be interesting to see where that goes. 
I, d- I don't think it's actually intended to be away from people. I think that Woven City is intended to be inhabited. It's intended to be a city of the future. It's in view of Mount Fuji, mm-hmm. making it, I think, a bl- you know, almost a blessed opportunity to, to define a, a, a future where the connections among people and goods and mobility and the environment can be sufficiently automated and electrified to make you know, more productive lives for people, to free people up for more creative lives. It, the, the images that Japan and, and Toyota, particularly in Woven City, are using to talk about their vision, going back to your earlier question about public acceptance, I think it's going to help quite a lot, and particularly in Japan, but globally, help visionary people to adopt the opportunity. And uh, speaking of public perception, we do hear the occasional story about AVs crashing. Their news Maybe because of the novelty of AVs, they're still quite new, uh, even though they are much safer than your typical vehicle in which there are more than 100 fatalities every day in the United States. So what do you think we can say to people about the technology behind these AVs in terms of why they are so safe compared to the errors from human drivers? Elaine, I really appreciate the way you set up this question because it goes right to the problem that we have in talking about automated vehicles. The crashes are not automated vehicles. The crashes are Tesla with systems that are developed with humans needed in a supervisory position. The challenge is developing those systems in a way that can engage the human, keep the human engaged, supervising so that we don't have those crashes. And the challenge, pointing the finger at Tesla, the challenge is to stop calling it an automated vehicle, stop calling it auto drive, autopilot, auto anything. It's a switch. It's a switch with a limited capability, tremendously helpful for driver fatigue for long distances, helpful perhaps as safety rails, to help drivers stay uh, safely in lane, but quite fallible and requiring human supervision. So what, I wanna stay with this and not actually answer the, the question you were asking yet, what's needed for these vehicles is this, and these systems is the second part of the system that will keep drivers engaged in the supervisory task not just monitoring the driver. Oh, look, the driver is playing Scrabble. Yeah, okay, so the monitoring system goes beep, 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 but that's really insufficient for safety, for widespread safety. There needs to be a system that engages the driver productively in supervising the system, supervising the driving environment so that they can intervene quickly when needed. That's a, that's a fascinating take, Jane, on it. And let's take a little detour here. Uh, you have a master's degree in marketing and research from Simmons University. Tell us a little bit about your, your own journey from where you started out in marketing and research and how you got into transportation and what we're talking about today, AVs. I have to put in a plug for my alma mater, Simmons College 
Graduate School of Management was the world's only all women's MBA. It was a, a remarkable experience for me. My objective had been to build on an established consulting career in organizational structure. And as part of that, marketing, marketing research, there's a way in which this all fits together under strategy. And I'd gone to work for a business strategy group when I graduated that, you know, had me on the road pretty much all the time during a period of my life when I was hoping to start a family. So I was looking for an alternative job that would have me sleeping at home more regularly. And a friend of mine told me that the Volpe Center was looking for support for base relocation and closure projects with the army that would require a significant amount of organizational structure and behavior is support. And I thought, wow, that would be remarkable change for me in thinking, but what a great opportunity to work with an organization like the military in thinking this challenge all the way through. And I interviewed and I was hired and the politics changed and that project changed. And I found myself supporting a brand new program called the Intelligent Vehicle Highway System, helping to develop a new joint program office at the USDOT to support what was for the first time a cross-cutting, cross-modal, advanced technology transportation program. And that turned into my life. It, we wrote the ITS Joint Program Office into existence. I began to support a new vein of research and transportation that applied marketing and marketing research and market analysis to public acceptance and adoption and the impact of advanced transportation technologies. I was assigned, seconded to the ITS Joint Program Office to provide that work in, in person in Washington and with a great team back at the Volpe Center. And that was uh, 1991 to 1992. And I have done almost nothing but advanced transportation technologies for my entire career. And I would have never guessed, never in a million years. Sorry for the delay. I was enjoying your story. I forgot I had a question. So now that you've been in this AV and technological advancement for, say, 30 years, what would you say is the most important research you would like to see TRB and also others undertake about AVs? I think I signaled a couple of times about the importance of multi-sector multi-partner pilots. The opportunities for learning when you bring together representatives from the, from the industry, from, from the innovation, from the infrastructure community, from the public acceptance perspective, from the public, the townships, the states, the motor vehicle authorities, the state police, the EMTs, when you bring the whole transportation community together around an innovation like automated vehicles through pilots. You learn how to integrate those innovations in ways that work for the whole community, that work for the safety community, that can address 
equity issues that can be done sustainably. But generally, broadly speaking, I think the US needs a government-led program of pilots exploring the different issues and aspects in different regions, different types of network to boost our, our understanding, boost our ability to make realistic investments and to move forward. Well, Jane Lappin, it's been such an honor to have you here. You are an inspiring speaker and your passion and intelligence are, are truly uh, appreciated by the Transportation Research Board and all your volunteering. Thank you so much, Jane Lappin, for being with us today. We'll look forward to seeing you in July. For more information about the conference, make sure to visit TRB's website, and you can follow information about the conference on Twitter with the hashtag TRBAutomated. TRB's Transportation Explorers is a production of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. Ben Brown composed our theme music. The podcast is produced by Paul Mackey and me, Elaine Farrell, and edited by me. Thanks again for tuning into TRB's Transportation Explorers. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. See you next time on the transportation journey.